If you will, this morning, turn with me to our text, which is found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9. That's Luke, chapter 9, verse 35. Very familiar text to us. And hopefully very effectual words this morning. Luke 9, 35 says, And there came a voice out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son. Hear Him. Let us pray. O oh Lord, how great Thou art. I thank Thee, Lord, that Thou hast brought us here, that You have preserved our health, preserved us in Thy grace once again this week. I pray, O oh Lord, in this passage today, that Thou would make it effectual, that truly, Lord, You would give us ears to hear, that You would form in our minds and our hearts a desire to hear Thy voice, an assurance that we have heard Thy voice, and a knowledge and an understanding lord that without thee without that voice we can truly do nothing lord i pray this morning that you would open the heavens that thy grace would be upon us that you would anoint this message that you'd bring forth this message that it be to the praise and glory of thee and thee alone in jesus name i pray amen it was wednesday morning i was i got up and i was sitting at my desk and and um, I cried out to the Lord to see him. I wanted to see him that morning. I was struggling with things and, and the things that I knew were coming into my day. And, and asked the Lord, Lord, I, I just, I need to see you. I need to see you now. I need to see you reigning. And um, I got a voice from heaven. I got a voice in my soul. And that voice said, hear him. Took me back a little bit because in my prayer, you know, I asked to see him. I didn't ask to hear him. So I, I got conviction there and um, started asking the Lord in order to see him. I know I need to hear him. And so I asked the Lord to hear his voice, to hear what he says to his people, to hear that assuring voice that I am one of his and that he is with me always and that he is going to go before me and that he is the, the keeper of my soul and that he is the one who brings all events into my life. And those are the things I think the child of God, it's an absolute necessity that we hear the Lord speak to us in that way. And, and then I started thumbing through the word of God and because of those words, hear him. I wasn't hear ye him, it was hear him. And so... The Lord rested me on this, this verse this morning, hear him, and then, as is customary for him in his great faithfulness, took me to this passage to teach me in and from this passage. I, it's, it's interesting for me in the past, I have preached the transfiguration, but I've preached it from Mark and I've preached it from Matthew, and then the Lord led me to Luke. I understand it now. I understand why he would. Uh, there's things in this passage that's not in the other two. So I pray for the Lord's anointing upon it. So without further delay, if we just turn back to verse 28 and we start this account that Luke has. Luke's very detailed. Um, out of all the Gospels that are written, his, his has the most detail in it. And the Holy Spirit set it forth that way. And but we're faced with something here right in the beginning. It says it came to pass about 
about in eight days, which is kind of weird saying. Um, it wasn't exactly eight days. In fact, Mark, Mark and Matthew both said it was six days. So it's about eight days. And, and then Luke says this. He says, after these sayings. And it seems like a little quaint thing for us to just after these sayings. So, oh, Jesus has moved on for what he's saying. And, and we're going to move on. And we're just going to go on to the rest. And, and that's true right now for a few moments. We're going to table that thought after these sayings. Because that is a very, very important part of this passage. The Lord does nothing on accident. He doesn't speak from heaven uh, without a message. There's, not, there's a purpose in it. There's an there's a instruction for the children of God. And there's no accident here that the Holy Spirit authored these words after these sayings. So as I said, we're going to put that to the side a minute. It's going to play a great role later when we see why the Lord said, hear him. He took Peter and James and John, John, Peter and John and James, and went up into a mountain to pray. These were the three that he usually took as representatives of the disciples. He took them here. He took them in the Garden of Gethsemane, which you'll see in a moment, that uh, had the same effect on them. Uh, they fell asleep. Um which is very instructive for you and I today. But we'll get there. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered. This was an event that took place that the God-man became God. God was shining forth on Jesus Christ that day. So as these three are up there watching Christ, and they've known him all through his ministry as man, and they believed him when he said he was the son of God. But now, in great mercy, God condescends down to the understanding of man. And he see, they see Christ radiating his glory as God. He's shining in front of them as they've never seen him. They see all the Shekinah glory upon him. And he's shining and he prayed. The fashion of his countenance was altered and his raiment was white and glistening. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elijah. And that's, that's comforting for us this morning. Comforting in many ways. We see Moses finally got into the promised land. We see that the Lord brought forth those out of heaven to speak to him on this mount. And they were there and they were recognizable. You'll see that in a minute. Peter knew it was Elijah and Moses. How did he know that? Faith, revelation. But when, nevertheless, we have two representatives here. We have Elijah and we have Moses who appeared in glory. They, had, they appeared in glory. After Elijah was taken up 900 years earlier, Moses, who they're still contending for his body, not knowing where the Lord buried it. We, we've talked about that before. The Lord buried Moses. And no man has ever been able to find that. And now all of a sudden they both appear in their glorious state. And they, they appear in glory and spoke. And they're speaking of his decease which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. Now I thought about that too. I was like what a glorious. Something that Christ revealed to them way in the past was coming. And then revealed it to them here on the in the. On the mount, as they're speaking about the Lord, about to lay down his life 
for his people. Glorious event going on here. Jesus is shining as God. You have two glorified saints standing there with him. And what is Peter, James, and John doing while all of this is going on? But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. It's an amazing thing, dear ones, but it's so instructive to us. You can will yourself. You can tell yourself God is glorious. You can tell yourself you're going to worship God. You're going to tell, you, you can tell yourself whatever you want to tell yourself. But we are dependent upon the Lord to wake us out of slumber for worship. We are dependent upon the Lord to see Him, to hear Him. Totally dependent. We are slothful. We do cumber in this life. Life is very tiring. We have a warfare that's waging within us, raging within us every day. And it's very cumbersome. It's very tiresome. And just as we saw in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus asked them to stay awake, they couldn't. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Our spirit is willing. We want, we desire to walk with the Lord. We desire His presence. We desire to enter into that union. But make no mistake about it. Without Him, we can do nothing. And that's what he's showing us here again. Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were awake, they saw his glory and the two men that stood with him. So as they were sleeping, Jesus was transfigured. He's talking to Elijah. He's talking to Moses. And they wake up. So we have to assume that maybe he's startled. And we can make excuses for the flesh all we want. So we can say that. We, he was startled. He was uh, woken out of sleep. Whatever it was, we know how it is when we're woken out of sleep. And there's times in the middle of the night I hear things in the house and I wake up and I don't know where I'm at. I don't know what I'm doing and I sure don't know what I'm hearing. So we need a deeper awakening. We need it not only to be awoken from sleep, but from our spiritual slumber. And so... Um, Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were awake, they saw his glory and the two men that stood with him. Okay. And it came to pass as they departed from him, that's Moses and Elijah, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. I've pronounced that, Lord. It is good for us to be here. This is a good thing that we see you in all your glory. It is a good thing today that we just saw Moses and Elijah in their glory. It's a good thing. It's very good, Lord. Okay. Let us make three tabernacles. See, this is why seeing isn't enough. We can see the Lord. We can see God in religion. We can read it in books. We can see it in nature. We can see the Lord many ways. And Peter saw the Lord. And he saw the glory of the Lord. And what Peter could come to in his own understanding, in his own logic, in his own knowledge, what he could come to is let us make three equal tabernacles. 
Three tabernacles. Not one exalted above the other two, but three of them. We just saw something miraculous. We saw two saints that have been long gone off the face of this earth. And that's something to see. That's something to behold. We need to make this day memorable. We need to make three tabernacles. We need to make three things here that will go on forever to remember this time. Let us make three tabernacles. One for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Three equal tabernacles. Not knowing what he said. And we look at that, and we read that last little part, we go, yeah, yeah, he, he didn't have understanding of what he was saying. Because I think even us in the room now, we, we have a problem with what he's saying. Because he put Christ on equal value with Moses and Elijah. God chose Moses and Elijah because Moses is a representative of the law. God chose Elijah because he's a representative of the prophets. And as Peter saw this, and Peter was well versed in religion and the Old Testament prophets, and the Old Testament ways, and the customs, and the customs of, of Israel. And as he saw these three things, saw these three men, so to speak, he said, you know, we need to bring them all in equally. We need to exalt them all. This is a wondrous day. But the scriptures tell us something. He says, not knowing what he said. Meaning, he spoke out of ignorance. As I said, he just woke up. Whatever it was, he spoke in error. While he thus spake. This is what's different from the other two. Okay? We're going to look at one of them here today. But while he thus spoke, spake, there came a cloud. Don't miss this. There came a cloud and overshadowed them. But that wasn't all. The other Gospels have that too. Matthew and Mark both said that the, the cloud comes and overshadows them. But Luke, as I said, the Holy Spirit gave him a deeper understanding. Didn't just overshadow them. Look, and they feared as they entered into the cloud. The cloud engulfed them. They were standing there now and they were surrounded by cloud. It didn't just overshadow them as it came from the heaven. It didn't just something for them to look at. It engulfed them as they stood there. And that's very, very important. Why? Well, the psalmist said this in Psalm 118.5. He said, I called upon the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. We already read our text, so we know where we're headed here. We know what the pronouncement of the Father was. But in order for the Father to speak to them out of heaven, He took them away from all the circumstance. He took them away from all of the earth. He took them, but they're still standing on the earth. But they're engulfed in the cloud. They, the Lord set them in that place where they could hear Him. Don't miss that. Don't miss it. That is key to you and I hearing Him today. We must be brought away from this world. 
We must be brought away from the politics of this world, the fears of this world, all the fears that encompass us every day with getting older. From th That was my struggle Wednesday morning. Okay, My struggle was I was heading off to the eye doctor. You know, I, I had all these things going in my eye, you know, because I've, I've been losing some sight. So I was thinking all these things, but, but I'm losing sight of the one who gives sight. I'm losing sight of the one who says, peace be still. I'm losing sight of all those things because even I'm, I'm in that religious time, I'm sitting there with my Bible open. I'm sitting there in prayer, but I've got so much I'm cumbered with in my mind. And in order to hear the voice of the Father and to hear the voice of the Son and to hear the voice of the Holy Ghost, we must be engulfed. We must be overshadowed, engulfed, set in a large place. That large place is the all-encompassing love of our Savior. We must be in Him. We must be in union with Him. We must be swallowed up in Him. That means mine stayed upon Him. And you know that. You know that even in the times that you're reading, sometimes in the Word of God, you've read a page, two pages, three chapters, you have no idea what you read. Because you're too worried about what you got to get to or what's going on in your mind or something else going on in the world. We do that often. We take the Word of God and we say, this is what's going on in the world, Lord. Let me take the Word. Let me find somewhere that I can combat what's going on in the world in the Word. That's backwards. We must be put in that place. We must be drawn there. We must be set there to hear His voice. We'll never hear it without being set in this place. That's what He tells us in 34. They feared as they entered into the cloud. And that fear was a, a reverential fear. It could have been a, a fear of the cloud. It could have been whatever it was. It definitely was a fear. And so in 35, we hear our text this morning. There came a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. Hear him, Peter, James, and John. Hear him. Okay, so we know that Peter, what he did, we know that he made the three tabernacles. We know that he put one up to represent the law. Hear him over the law. Hear him over the must to, have to, got to do. Hear him. Hear him over the prophets. Hear him over man and what they say about the Lord. You must be taught of the Lord. Something about the law. Uh, Isaiah said in 42, 21, gives us all we need to know about what the Lord did. Said the Lord is well pleased for his righteousness sake. He will magnify the law and make it honorable. He did that by his perfect obedience. The law's purpose is to reveal sin in our life. It's not to save us. It's not to mimic. It's not to follow after and look for the law to have mercy. The law will never have mercy. That's why the voice said, hear him. We can't turn back to Moses and we can't turn back to tablets and we can't turn back to what we have to do and we must do. And that's a problem with hearing the prophets also. Because we have many teachers today that say that. The more obedient you are, the more you do, the God's done his part, time for you to do your part. That's all garbage. 
It's all swallowed up in this engulfing cloud that comes into the soul of the child of God and says, hear him. It is an encouragement. It's an exhortation. It's a command. Hear him. And as Robert Hawker said, his commands are his enablings. You'll see that in, in 1 John 2, 27. Listen to this. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. That's the Holy Spirit. That's Christ in us, the hope of glory. And ye need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you of all things and is truth and is no lie and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. That's the engulfing cloud. That's the union that we have in Christ. That's why I say it often. Steph and I say it to each other often. We need to hear his voice. We need to hear his voice. It's not a flippant statement. It's certainly not a religious statement. It's a cry of the soul. The soul. And the Lord has to bring you there. As I said, as I bowed my head, as I asked the Lord to see him, this is what he told me. You have to hear me first. I have something to say to you. You need to hear my voice. If you hear my voice, you'll know I'm reigning. If you hear me, you will see me. In John 10, 27 and 28, we hear, My sheep hear my voice. You hear that? That's a pronouncement. That's an assurity that every sheep will hear the voice of the shepherd. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. That's the union. We hear him out of that union. And they follow me. There's power in that voice. There's power in the Lord to tell us to come away. There's power in the Lord to engulf us. To shut us off from the flesh. To shut us off from the wicked one. To shut us off from the world. That's the dire need. Especially, I say especially today, but tomorrow's going to bring more evil. Tuesday's going to bring more evil. Wednesday's going to bring more evil. Jesus told us that. Each day has its evil that is brought into the day to cause us to cry out to Him, to depend upon Him for that day. It's what the manna taught us. Jesus is to be abided in and upon daily. Take up your cross daily and follow me. We need him daily, not just on Sunday. And I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. We're kept. But this is, this is that assurance that the Lord gives us. We hear his voice. That's what he tells us. As our shepherd, he hears our voice. I mean, we hear his voice. In Proverbs 20, 12, he writes, the, heavy, the, I'm sorry, the hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord hath made even both of them. Of course, that's physical. But guess what? That's spiritual too. He made me to lie down in green pastures. He made me sit as he engulfed me in this cloud. He gave me ears to hear. He gave me eyesight to see Him by faith. It's His faith. It's His power. And in Romans 10, 17, Paul writes, So then faith cometh by hearing, 
and hearing by the word of God. We must hear the word of God. Isn't that what he's telling us here? Hear him. I'm putting you in a cloud so that you only hear me revealing this to you in heaven, from heaven. And what my words to you are is to hear him. Now, as I said this morning, we would be going back to Matthew. So hold your, well, I don't know if we're coming back here, but anyway, you can hold your hand, finger there. We're going to go back to Matthew 17. I want to show you a couple important things out of the gospel of Matthew and his account. We'll just pick up in five. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. So here's Matthew's account. And in all of these, don't ever think that they're contradicting each other. They're supporting each other as the Lord revealed it to that person who's writing. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. All scripture comes from the Holy Spirit. So as we read Matthew's account, or we read Mark's account, or we read Luke's account, they're all saying the same thing, but some of them may be shown something that the other one did not see. And that's all for our learning, Paul said. So, <clears throat> so he says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. This is in Matthew's account. We didn't get that. We did get that they feared. And then, this is why we came here, Jesus came and touched them. Remember what he said? Hear him. Hear him. That's the difference. Hearing him. It takes the fear away. And this is what Jesus said to them. Arise and be not afraid. You say, wow, that's a great sentiment. That's not a sentiment. That's power. That's love. Arise. Get up. Come away from your fear. Be not afraid. That's the only way you and I will not fear. Is when the Lord says that to us. Hear Him. This is what He speaks to us. Arise and be not afraid. Be not afraid of the times you live in. Be not afraid of the, of the, the things going on in your mortal bodies. Be not afraid of, the, of the, the things you hear or the things you see. Be not afraid of them. And then and only then they could lift up their eyes and they saw no man save Jesus only. That's, that's, that's now seeing him reigning. But they had to hear him. That's what the Lord was saying to me. You need to hear me. You need to hear my peace. You need to hear my love. You need to hear that I'm the gifter of faith. You need to hear it, Sean. You're way too cumbered. I was. I was. Worried about future. Worried about things. Worried about what I'm going to do this day. This. I need to hear him. I need to hear him. You remember what I said at the beginning of this message? I said that, the, that Luke's account started after these sayings, after these things were said. I told you that it would come into play later because it's very important why the Lord said, hear him. So now that we're in Matthew, I want you to turn back a page to Matthew 16. All of this flows together. You understand, I mean, as you, you, you can't take the word of God out of context. If you do, you lose the meaning of what the Lord is saying. And, and so we come to 16. If we just pick up in verse 13, we have, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples a question. He, he said, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? 
who is it they're saying that I am out there? The Son of Man. Who are they saying that I am? And Jesus wanted to know. And they said, they said some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say that you're Elijah. And some others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said unto them, his disciples, but whom say ye that I am? And sometimes we get on Peter because Peter's the spokesman and sometimes he speaks out of turn. But this isn't one of those times. Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now Peter said this, and Jesus is going to tell us why he said this. Peter wasn't being verbose. Peter wasn't saying, hey, look at me, I've got the answer. Peter was revealed this by the Father. And if you're revealed something by the Father, you have to speak it. You have to. It's music to your soul. It's peace in your soul. And as Peter says it, he says, thou art the Christ. You're the anointed one. You're the son of the living God. You are God incarnate. Now remember, he hasn't seen this transfiguration yet. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah. Blessed are you. For flesh and blood did not hath not revealed it unto you. You know why that's important? Because of our text. Hear him. If you don't hear him, Flesh and blood is going to reveal it to you. You're going to be left to your own understanding. That's why we're told not to lean upon our own understanding. Because when we're left to that, it's not going to get us to thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. That's where peace is. That's where rest is. And Jesus says to Peter, he says, Simon, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Divine revelation. Peter didn't get there on his own. He didn't study it out of the prophets. He didn't hear somebody else say it. Although all those things are probably true. But God, the Lord Jesus Christ, tells us something about Peter at this moment. Is that the Father revealed to Peter that Jesus Christ was the Christ the Son of the living God. And that's how Peter knew it. And he said, And I say unto thee that thou art Peter. And upon this rock, he pointing to himself, speaking of himself, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against me. Then he turns to Peter. And he says, And I will give thee unto thee the king's the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And that is speaking of Peter, speaking the gospel. The Lord said, This day you will be anointed to preach the truth, which is the kingdom of the keys to the kingdom of heaven, is the truth that is in Christ Jesus. He won't preach it of himself. He won't be some special minister. He'll be one called to be an instrument to speak forth the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Peter, the rest of his life, after the Holy Spirit, after the day of Pentecost, preached Christ the rest of his life. What he spoke and bound on earth was bound in heaven. 
We've read that many times, haven't we? These were converted under the ministry of Peter. These, the Lord added to the church this day. The Lord converted those that Peter, when he preached, uh, that wasn't Peter. That was the power of the Lord. And that's what the Lord is saying. This is a high time now for Peter. Is it not? And he charged his disciples that he should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time forward, Jesus began to show his disciples how that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes. So he sits his disciples down and he says to them, I must go lay down my life. I'm going to suffer many things. I'll be killed, but the third day I will rise again. Don't miss that. He told him about the death and resurrection. He told him about the necessity of why he needed to lay down his life. He told him. He told him everything here. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Saying, be it far from thee, Lord. This shall not be unto thee. What just happened here? What just happened here? We just went from the height of heaven. The Lord telling Peter about what his life will be like. The glory of the Lord being upon him. Telling him that he had a revelation from the Father. That he heard from the Father. That's the necessity. Hear him. Because Peter's hearing someone else right now. Peter's not hearing Christ. Peter is looking at his situation, whether it's wanting and loving the Lord so much, not wanting him to be suffering. Whatever it was, it was short-sighted righteousness. It was short-sighted self-will. It was short-sighted looking at my situation and desiring my situation is better than what the Lord has for the church. We need him to lay down his life for us. Peter needed him to lay down his life for him. And so as you go in your mind and you fast forward a little bit to our text, you can understand why he said, hear him. If we're not hearing him, which we had up here where he heard the father. If we're not hearing him, we're left to our own understanding. We're left to how we assess the situation. And don't miss this. When we assess the situation, we become an enemy of God's. He turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. You can try to explain that away all you want, but the fact of the matter is, he looked at Peter and he called him Satan. Satan, the very word, means adversary. You are my adversary. What you just said is adversarial to my purpose of coming here to the earth. Get thee behind me, Satan. When we are left to commune in our own thoughts and to read by logic what we hear and left to think about what Satan comes in and says, here's a good idea. And look how easy it was. You know, words, I, I can't say the words to you this morning to make you feel how deep this goes 
that one minute in the day of prosperity, caught up in the third heaven, all of this going on in Peter's life, and immediately fell. Immediately. Pride. Pride lifts us up. Pride communes with the wicked one. Jesus looks at Peter and says, you are an adversary for what you just said to me. You and I, every day of our lives, that we look into ourselves and we look into our obedience and we look in and we spew out those words, you must do this, you have to do this, you need to do this. You know what we are? We're adversaries of the Lord Jesus Christ's finished work. We're adversaries of what Christ came and accomplished. We're adversaries. We're doing the work of the wicked one. That's what he said to Peter. Those are powerful words. Powerful words. Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. And then he tells him why. For thou savorest not the things that be of God. Jesus was not telling Peter he was the being of Satan. He wasn't telling him that you are Satan. He said you're an adversary for what you're saying. What you said is very satanic, devil-like. Don't mix words, dear ones. That's what unbelief is. That's what our own knowledge and understanding is. It's adversarial to Christ. And he says what it is. He says you savor not the things that be of God. Not what he has said in his word, but those that be of men. And you sit here and you say, wow, I mean, I can understand why Peter said what he did. He loved the Lord. He didn't want him to go anywhere. But what if he didn't? What if there was no cross? You and I would still be dead in our sins. We don't think too deeply sometimes about the finished work of Christ. What he came to do, what he did do, what he did accomplish for his people. And when that's not our thoughts, and that's not, that's not the voice we're hearing, we're left to hear other voices that are adversarial, that are against Christ and against the anointed. Scary, isn't it? That's our fallen nature. That's what we're capable of. Don't tell me, don't ever underestimate or undervalue what saving, preserving grace is. Preserving grace to keep us from these things. You say, well, it didn't keep Peter. Not at that moment. No. This is something Peter needed to learn. You and I need to learn it. It's chastening. I mean, I, I know that, that had to send just a deep introspection of what's going on. I, what did I say? What did I do? That's the way the Lord brings that to us. You may not like to hear those words that you're an adversary every time you react in the flesh, but you are. I am. We need Him. We need Him to preserve us. We need Him to speak to us. We need to hear His voice. I'd like to close today, if you don't mind, turn with me over to Hebrews 1.
God, this is Hebrews 1, God who at sundry times and in divers manners spoke, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. Time past, people. That's the way he spoke to them in time past. He speaks to us now through his son, as you'll say. He's half in these last days. I want you to understand those last days, those days started as soon as Christ was crucified and came up out of the grave. We've been in those days. Those days are numbered, but they're numbered by him. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. He's spoken to us today, and that's my question as we read this passage. I want you to sit there, and if the Holy Spirit is willing to ask you that question, how am I taught? How am I hearing the Savior's voice? Am I hearing the shepherd's voice? And we start, we start, to, start to think about all the ways that we read and, and we hear and we, we bring into our mind the, the, the avenues, whatever they are, TVs and whatever they are, airwaves. And, and I don't know about you, but sometimes I can listen to somebody speak and I'm feeling, I'm just like, yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. What you're saying, oh, yeah, you're spot on. You ever do that? Here's the, here's, here's, here's the truth of the matter. We still got to hear it from him. We still got to hear it from him. You know, every, every one of us in this room has formed an opinion about what will be good for us in the next couple of months. What would be best for us. You know what, we're just as ignorant we have no idea, but he knows. We have to hear his voice because he says, Romans eight twenty eight. everything works for our good. He does. He works everything for our good. I feel so, when the Lord impresses that upon me, I feel so helpless. And that's not a feeling any of us want to be after the flesh, helpless. Oh, no, 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 I got to, I got to, I got to. But it's where we need to be because we need to be in that place that he sets us in to hear his voice. Whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he has made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. Hear that? The Lord speak that to your soul today. He's upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had himself purged our sins, and that's past tense, he put them away, dear I know sometimes we're so engulfed in them that they feel like they're reigning over us. And there's times that, that they are because we don't see his blood. We don't see what he's done. We don't hear his voice saying you're forgiven. But in the day of his power, we do. In the day of his great mercy to condescend to us, we do. As he's pleased to reveal himself. He's purged our sins and he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high reigning and for that i pray to see him reigning to see the lord reigning every day because it is important but equally dear ones equally we need to hear his voice dear heavenly father most gracious and holy lord may you pronounce those words to us this day hear him and lord may you give us an assurance that you are speaking to us, that you would put us at thy feet and give us ears to hear. 
for the glory of thee. This I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.